Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn. We talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We're by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby. Glad to be doing another episode. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about Spore. And as always, spoilers, I guess, ahead. <laughs> yeah, not really much of a, not really a game with much of a storyline. Uh, seeing that it's just kind of a collective take on evolution, I guess, and the stages of uh, life. So not really much of a spoiler, unless you don't know how life works, I guess. <laughs> so Spore is a real-time life simulation game developed by Maxis and published by Electronic Arts. It was released on September 4th of 2008 for Windows and Mac. The large scope of this game drew a lot of attention because this seemed like a very ambitious project. But this large attention really brought on mixed reviews upon release. The reviews leaned mostly positive and they were regarding the creature customization and overall game scope. But this game didn't lack criticism. It had a fair amount when it came to regarding the overall shallow gameplay. And that was that was mainly the big heat of the concern, like of the critiques, was the gameplay just was lacking depth. And it just wasn't what people expected the game to be. So the complexity of this game seems to stop at the character customization. Because the character customization is fantastic, I think, because of the uniqueness that you can get with it. And just all the unique creatures that you can make because one thing that was really great about this game is the online community and you could share creatures so playing with random creatures that other people created you see just the creativity that people were able to create and the playthrough left a lot of people disappointed wanting more outside of this customization not to mention the game also included software that could potentially have increased the security risk of the user's computers, which was a pretty controversial topic when it came to downloading this game. Overall, the game did sell well, with over 2 million copies sold in the first three weeks of release. This popularity allowed for the creation of three DLCs, the Creeping Cute Pack, which added new body parts for the customization of your creature stage. There was Galactic Adventures, which added a new type of mission to complete within the space stage. And then there was the robotics parts, which was a promotion that a promotion collaboration that Maxis had with Dr. Pepper, where you could get codes from Dr. Pepper bottles, put them in online and download this robotics parts pack for your creature stage. Hmm. I did not actually know about the Dr. Pepper collaboration. I did, and I happen to have gotten them back in the day. Ooh, nice. Does it? So does that mean you still have it, or probably not because you don't, definitely you have not. a new like it's yeah. not. I was about to say it's not something that's saved to like your account, probably, but to that like specific computer. I I think so because um, I remember I used to have them, but somewhere along the way I don't have them anymore because like throughout the years going back to the game and just having fun, and I don't think it's saved with the account, unfortunately. So those are That's, lost in the abyss of the internet. That sucks because I remember, well, you know what? I'll, I'll say this story for when we get to our impressions. 
All right. Sounds good. (laughs) So going a little more about what Spore gameplay is, is you start off as a single-cell organism on a planet brimming with life. They must fight, defend, and evolve to progress to the next stage. After evolving, the player moves to dry land to repeat the adventure, completing, competing or allying with the other land animals. After you evolve again, the player must form a tribe and must use the land and the newfound intelligence to outcompete the other tribes. Or once again, you could ally them. The next stage of evolution is civilization. They must either use military force, religious conversion, or economic negotiations to take over each civilization on the planet. From there, the planets can move to the final stage as a spacefarer and unlock the secrets of the universe. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so overall, we were pretty young when this game came out, and actually you're the one who introduced me to this game. They had some really cool trailers and stuff that really captivated like our attention and really got us hooked to it. So you showed me this game, and we're part of the younger audience because as I was reading online, there seems to be a generational gap when it comes to the criticisms of the players when it comes to this game. So the players who were younger when the game came out tend to lean more positively when it comes to reviewing this game, whereas the older ones could see the game for its shallow gameplay, the lack of depth, so their criticisms tend to be very harsh towards the game. So... I think this is a good spot to just kind of talk about our impression of the game because I believe, at least from my point of view, I have a pretty positive review of this game, and I don't know where you're standing in review of this game. Definitely would be positive as well. I'm not saying there are I don't have any gripes to it, but so one thing that I thought was pretty cool was when I started up Spore actually just recently, maybe like, I don't know, two, three weeks ago before we even did this, and I did a playthrough of it, my account was still active, or at least still there, though I'm like a little confused because a thing called a Sportopedia, which is like an encyclopedia, but for sport. So it shows like every creature you've seen, plant, all this stuff, and including your creations. I couldn't find my creations, so I thought I lost everything. But then, when I got to Spore stage, one of the first people I encountered was a person called Keegan, which was one of my favorite persons I made from Cell to Space stage. So he was there, and I was like, wait a second. I thought I lost all my things, but like on my account, it must have still saved it, but not in my Sportopedia. Like, I can't access them like mm. access my creature but they were still there so i thought it was really sweet when i first got to space stage and like one of the first people i ran into was a familiar face and i was like all right instantly going online to you because you're one of my <laughs> creatures i was like I brought a tear to my eye to see an old friend yeah um that's one thing that i really liked about this game as i briefly mentioned in the intro is the online community because I had two accounts, one when I was playing it offline, and then eventually I made an account so I could have this player interaction. So eventually my online or my offline people got merged to the online. It was, it was a re- weird scenario where 
it was I couldn't download them or something or pl- edit them because my offline ones thought it was a different account, so it was really weird and wonky. But it's really cool to see them in the Sporopedia and be able to play with those creatures that I made from the beginning of time when I first started this game. So that was a really cool feature. I had a similar thing that happened with you that happened to you. But it was really cool to, as you're going through, you could search in the Sporopedia. I don't know if you still can or how this works, if their servers are still up and running. But you could search for certain players and download. So I know some of our creatures, we would go and search the person, download some of their creatures onto our Sporopedia so we could play with them in the real world. And I always thought that was a really fun feature. So maybe that's why you couldn't see them in your Sporopedia. Maybe they were in the cloud and you had to... I don't know, because I guess they wouldn't have appeared in your game if you didn't have them in your Sporopedia. So maybe there was a weird filtering issue, but yeah, the game didn't. The game definitely did have some bugs, so maybe that's just one of the bugs that was never ironed out. Oh my god! Speaking of bugs, with I don't know if it's going from Steam, but in the creature stage, literally every time I would die, my whole game would crash. So I had to. Play like creature stage without dying or That's constantly save. <laughs> hardcore mode right there. But one thing I wish that I feel like this game had so much potential. And if it if it came out now, I feel like it would do so much better. Not to mention the fact that they could easily give out updates. Cause this was before like this was back when you still bought like the box set like before you could buy anything really from online like online games so this was back when you had to have a physical copy so it's like once they're done they're done like you couldn't have it updated or whatever and one of the i had two stories i want to say before we go on one quick thing was like i said the lost potential is the online community like you said when it first came out there was a lot of people and like you could see so many things they even had competitions do you remember those mm-hmm. yeah when uh they were creating dark spore they had a competition where you had to customize their template and make it as unique and cool as possible and they used it within dark spore which was a really cool feature they would have that do you I don't know if you remember one of the ones I remember is they had like this mantis competition oh, where yeah. they gave you this and they're like, all right, here's a base model. Go at it. Yeah. That and, was actually the, the dark spore one I was referring to. It was like, Oh, it was like, dark spore. Yeah. They called it like hip, hypnomantis or something. Yes. It was so cool. And one other thing too was I, w- I've been subscribed to game informers for like, I don't know, like 10 years now. And it's one thing I've always loved is I always loved getting that magazine and like looking through some of the stuff. And I remember when this first came out for like a couple months, you'd go through the pages and they would always have like reviews and all this stuff, but they had a spore challenge they would give you. And some of it would be like, try creating a creature with this constraint try creating a creature with this constraint and then share it with like game informer or whatever it was like to show whatever it was i just thought that was really cool because mm-hmm. it was a whole community and you got to see everyone's unique creations now you don't really get that like there's mm-hmm. nobody really playing spore enough that i mean there's still people's saved creations still on there but not enough to yeah. like i don't know, have as much fun 
Yeah, I really like those community engagement activities and stuff like that. It was just such a cool feature because you could see over the air these creatures that were being created and add them to your game if you liked them. It was just such a fantastic idea. And I definitely agree with you when you said that if it came out today, it would do really well. Just because of the the power that computers have nowadays, they could add so much more depth to this game and make it so much more complex than it was. Because looking at it, it is a fairly simple game in terms of just mechanics. So just revamping the entire game would totally change the game. I'm so down for a Spore remaster. That would be awesome. It's funny you mentioned that because my last little story I want to mention real fast was... One thing mentioning about the like computer software is this was one of the games, if you guys haven't heard our Fortnite, go listen to that. But like Fortnite, that I was waiting a few years for that to come out, I bought this game because it looked amazing. I like The trailer looked amazing. I bought the game, found out my computer couldn't run it. Oh, no. So I had to wait like a month or something because we happen to need an upgraded computer anyway so and then with me buying this game and not being able to run it being a like what was i like 10 year old kid or whatever i kind of convinced my parents to finally upgrade their computer but like for that month i couldn't play it i had the game the box was just staring at me but this was back when they had like manuals in them And I can't tell you how many times I probably read through that entire book because it kind of gave you almost like when like game journalists play a game and they tell you almost like step by step of what they did. They gave me, they did, it was like someone played the game and recorded everything, like make a journal of it. So they went through cell stage. They told me what parts they got. They went through creature stage. They're like, oh, you know what? Let's give him a stomach. Let's make him a little taller. Let's add this for protection. And then once I got to tribal stage, they did the whole tribal outfitter civilization. All this stuff. And I probably read that book like forward to backward. Well, not backwards, but you you guys know what I mean. Like three or four times before finally playing it to the point where I feel like I knew the game better almost than anyone else who just got the game because I read through it all, so I knew exactly what to do. I knew like I knew what to how to find parts. I didn't I was like bam 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 I breezed through that. But I just thought it was funny you mentioned that about the whole computer like software and stuff that I had to wait for my game because my computer couldn't take it, yeah. so I had to read the <sighs> manual. I actually remember that because I remember you had the game first, but I managed to play it first because of this reason you had no hardware to play it on so i was managed to play the game and get to the end before you were even able to play it and you're the one who showed me the game yeah that i think that's kind of why i got you into it so i could play it at your house (laughs) because i was like i just want to play yeah um one more thing that i want to talk about before we move on to the actual gameplay of it was i was watching a game development like talk on youtube once and one of the people talking was one of the developers of spore so she was talking about the procedural generation and the randomness of the game itself so all the worlds are procedurally generated um obviously there's constraints to have certain types of land masses 
and all that stuff. And then they also procedurally generated their creatures. So they had software that went through and basically threw out creatures that didn't fit the constraints. So if creatures were too similar, it would throw them out. If they weren't similar enough, they would keep them. So you had this variation. And this was years down the road. Like I think this talk was only a few years ago because she definitely threw shade at No Man's Sky. She didn't mention <laughs> it by, by name, of course, but she was talking about procedural generation and how a company can say they have one trillion different types of creatures because it's all procedurally generated. And she's like, but that means nothing when the constraints for your creatures are so similar that you have a billion creatures that are nearly identical. So she was throwing shade at No Man's Sky, which is probably one of the games that was more controversial than Spore. So I thought that was kind of interesting that they had these types of constraints. So the procedural generation would have variation like a large scale variation in all their creatures, but also have it so they didn't have to create t uh, over a thousand individual creatures at a time. Yeah, that, that's cool. And I think most of the controversy with Spore was more the the whole little protection software they tried using more than the actual game itself. Unlike yeah. No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And No Man's Sky was shallow in gameplay and in. Uh, procedural generation but this isn't about no man's guy this is about <laughs> spore maybe we can have a discussion about that in a future episode but that is enough about our impressions of the game and our little tidbits let's get into it so we start off this game the first stage that we start in is the cell stage where you must select whether you want to start the game as a carnivore or a herbivore after selecting your creature we start the game with this cutscene of a meteor that is flying through space and heading towards this planet. It crashes down to the planet, landing in the ocean. Upon impact, we emerge from this meteorite as a single-celled organism. From here, depending on your food chain, cho food chain choice, whether you are a carnivore or a herbivore, you either attack and consume other single-celled organisms to grow, or you flee from potential predators and find vegetation to consume. As you grow, new cells start to appear around you, uh, different types of potential prey or predators. And they all have these unique features to them. If you or another cell kills one of these creatures, a, a like this icon, more like a, a metal pops out of them, and you Let's can like collect it. Yeah, badge. That's the word I was looking for. This badge pops up. And you can collect those badges to earn the unique features that they had on them. So once you collect these badges, you can actually add them to your creature and use them to improve. So some of these abilities include different type, a different type of mouth where you can become an omnivore. They also could include defensive features such as poison or electricity. Or they could even include passive er, abilities that will let you flee from enemies quicker just changing your speed or allowing you to turn quicker so the more you consume the more features you're able to add to your your cell and this will allow you to either become the perfect defensive creature or a perfect predator depending on what type of playstyle you go after after a set limit of consumption hits so you're consuming creatures or you're consuming plants after you hit a certain number you're granted the ability to evolve and evolving will take your place 
previous playstyle into consideration to determine whether you're going to be a herbivore, carnivore, or omnivore when you move to the creature stage. And I think that was a really cool feature to have because when I first played, I didn't realize they were going to take my past actions and incorporate them into the next stage, which was really cool. So if you eat a lot of animals, obviously you're going to move on to the carnivore. If you're very passive, you're going to be a herbivore. But if you decided to be pretty neutral, then you'll move on to the omnivore. And all of these have different types of assets that they're going to give you when you move on to the next stage. So what did you think about this stage, Bobby? Because this one is probably the most simple of them all, but it is the first stage. So what was your impression of it? Obviously, when I first played it, probably my first couple times playing it, I really enjoyed it because I... Because sometimes, like you said, you don't start out with all the parts. Even when you collect all the parts once, when you start a new game, it's not like a new game plus. You have to go and recollect the parts. However, the parts stay if, say, you decide to move on or you decide to, like, for some reason you want to build different cell organisms, like, offline or, like, on your own, like, in just the creature creator. You can use those parts then. But, like, when you start a new game, you don't. So the first few times were pretty fun because, like, obviously when I first started, I went straight carnivore because I was like, that's the easiest way to do. Just mm -hmm. go hunt and kill. And then I tried once as a herbivore and then I've tried once as an omnivore. So going through those different stages was actually pretty fun. However, now, because, like you said, it's so simple and... It's supposed to be. It's the cell stage. There's only like nine parts you can collect anyway. So there's only so much you can make with that. Mm -hmm. But like you said, with the pre sigil, pre sigil, like creatures that are made, they're all procedural. This... Procedural. The creatures that are already made are pretty much the same every cell stage. Mm hmm. So that's the only thing that I would give like a thumbs down on for this because it's like I understand that you want certain ones like for the different like to get spikes, to get poison, to get electricity. But I just feel like you could have made at least a couple like maybe three to five different variants of each one that has a specific part to it. Like, for the electricity, for the poison, instead of the same exact ones that you see every time you go to cell stage, to the point where, if I want to start over, it's I almost want to skip cell stage. Mm -hmm. But like you said, you get bonuses from starting to cell stage to space stage. You get whatever your action is, carnivore or reward or omnivore, you get set bonuses for creature, tribal, civilization, and space stage based on your choices from here and then it moves on to that once you get to creature depending on your outcome you get abilities for tribal civilization and space so it takes into account every action you make from cell to space so if you start out cell to space no matter what paths you go you will have all those bonuses you get than if you immediately started space so mm -hmm. it, i always wanted to start uh, cell whenever i start a new game just to get all those bonuses but it now it's just the replay value of cell stage is very null yeah like i said the first few times changing up like how i wanted to go like 
herbivore, carnivore, omnivore. Yeah, it was fun. I kind of got to mess around how to use different ones, how to be more defensive. If I want to be an omnivore, how do I kind of like mix the balance? Stuff like that. But then once I kind of like played through each of those play styles, then it's just kind of like, all right, well, I kind of know what I want. If I'm doing this, I okay, I just need this piece. I'm good. Hunt this one. I know how to beat it because it's the exact same cell every time. So right. the replay value is a little null. But if you haven't played it, it's it's fun for the first few times. Yeah, completely agree for all the same reasons. Like the three play styles, I think were worth it. But other than that, it isn't really that worth it. Luckily, cell stage is so simple that you can beat it within five to ten minutes if you know what you're doing, if you're experienced with it. So it's not that big of a deal, but it is tedious just because it's like, oh, I'm doing this again. Because like you said, the procedurally generated creatures, they don't have that many. They probably have like maybe 30 creatures max. So the whole idea is you're going to a planet and it's supposed to be a unique planet. But right from the start, they set the precedent of every time you enter a planet, all the cells are the same constantly. Once you get to creature stage, completely different. They do randomize the creatures because there's so many of them. But the uniqueness straight from the intro of the game isn't the greatest because of that lack of uniqueness. So I completely agree. That is one of my biggest gripes of Cell Stage. Probably my least favorite stage of them all. Yeah, I mean, it's it's more of a tutorial, mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. because there really isn't a tutorial. So it's like, I gripe about it, but at the same time, I can't give it too much shade because if you think of it as a tutorial, it makes sense because it shows you how to get parts, mm-hmm. how you go through that. So it's like, okay, it's just a glorified tutorial. Maybe that's why all the cells are the same. That's a, that's a good point. I never did really look at it from that perspective. So that makes sense. But once you get from cell stage and you finally start to get a little itty bitty brain, you can finally go on land. You grow legs and you finally go on land to the creature stage, which is probably the most popular or second most popular to space stage, I would say, because this is where all the more complexity comes and probably whenever you see Spore, like, I don't know, gameplay uh, pictures and stuff is most likely from this creature stage because there is just so much customization you get from this. And if these are like, obviously it depends on what route you go will depend on kind of what mouths you can get because as far as I know, you can't get the different mouths, right? Like once you set in one path, you of course. Correct. Like, yeah. yeah. That was, that was the one thing where you are locked in your way. So, in cell stage, you can bounce back and forth between whatever ones you want. But yeah, creature, you're locked in. You're going to stick with your actions from there on out. I mean, you could technically, you could still change your actions, but the mouthpiece, the mouth will always stay the same. So, like, if you were a carnivore, you get the aggressive route, which you'll get, like, the man-eating mouths, let's say. If you were herbivore, you'll go the social route. And you'll get more, like, plant-based mouths, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely could tell they have more of a a plant-based design to them, I think. And then if you were omnivore, you went the adaptable route, which was kind of a mix between the two. Because 
if I'm not mistaken, Omnivore has that like the manning in plant mouth. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminds that... me of a, a a demogorgon from Stranger Things. If I you've ever seen, seen that. that. I haven't, no. but if anyone else listening to that hand <laughs> I was about to say it almost for me it's like a glorified Venus flytrap. Yeah. Just not not as wide but it's more square (laughs) or like something from jumanji or something yeah that was actually one of my favorite mouths yeah it was a cool one but this was where you got all like most of your creative juices going because Mm -hmm. pretty much once you evolve out to this you are locked into your creature you will not be able to change it the only thing you'll be able to change are like cosmetics because you'll be able to get like different what they're called outfitters for each different stage so think of it like a uniform or like when you go to tribal it's like getting clothes civilization it's like getting a i guess a uniform in space like a military uniform or whatever but creature you have to go and find different parts you can either get them from making a species go extinct or allying them you can potentially get it's one of their parts or is it a random part i forget if you do it that way (laughs) um it's a random part so one thing that i noticed as i was obsessed with this game and played it a lot is the parts that you would receive were weighted towards the parts that you had equipped so say you had a certain like level three hand because each version of a hand has about or each item has four or five different stages. So if you had like the third hand in a row, you had a stronger chance of getting the fourth hand than you were to get a random part. So it was like a weighted thing to where you're more likely to get the upgraded version of whatever you have on your creature at the time. Huh, I actually did not know that. It makes sense though. Yeah, I always I started noticing like why am I only getting stuff in this row first? Where and I would sporadically get other things, but yeah you'll more likely get the things that you are using. But this is where you'll see a lot of, the like when you go to Sportopedia, this is where people mostly would probably spend their time, especially when it comes to creating creatures. Because like I said, you don't really, if you want to create something, you don't really go to tribal civilization. You either go to creature stage to create a creature, or if you want to create like vehicles, you go to civilization stage. But you mostly go and to creature creator, this is probably where you'll spend most of your time because even if you're not playing the game, once you collect all the parts, you can have fun, experiment, and then like if you end up liking a, a thing, you could be like, oh, I want to try using him. And you can immediately go to creature and skip cell, which you'll miss a few bonuses, but I mean, it doesn't impact you too much besides your archetype, but we'll get into that a little later. But... It's just one of the where it gets it all hype. And one of my favorite things in Creature Stage was finding rogue creatures. Oh, this was they, so much fun. Oh, they they were almost like an Easter egg. So to give you a perspective, when you reach almost like your highest you can go before you able to move on to tribal, you can have I believe it's three members. Mm-hmm. with you in your pack so you can have either allied members with you 
or three of the same like of your same species with you and even if you go like straight predator like you're a carnivore to predator i think like you max out at like 150 160 health like you don't as far as i know you don't get anywhere really near 200 even if you put i think like everything straight into health i don't think you you may be able to reach 200 if you go everything health but as far as i know you usually max out around like 150 160 so you'll see these rogue creatures and they're rogue creatures because they don't have a species it's just this single one like there's only one of it and it usually has 300 health and sometimes it can be very powerful and then sometimes it can be more not passive but more traits towards like being an ally but generally for the most part they will have points in both attack and i don't know what do you what do you call like the social uh probably just like social social points. Yeah, yeah social points so they have both like high attack points and high social points so that way if you you can ally one of them or try to recruit them and put them in your pack but it still is difficult because they'll always have a high social point and a high attack so either way if you decide you want to hunt it or if you want to add it to it it's going to be a challenge but it's so rewarding when you finally get one because it's like oh my god i got this like really rare one and as far as i know because the max pack is three and i've played it before many times where i've managed to get three rogue creatures in my pack but i've never seen a fourth do you have you ever seen four rogue creatures? In- I can't say I have. I think they only give you three because of the the constriction. Um, I think how many so you have too. In your party. So and it, like I said, it's a it's a one time encounter. Well, one time encounter is if you kill it or not. So like if you kill it, it doesn't come back. You're down to two rogue creatures. So mm-hmm. you have to decide whether you want to. Typically, no matter what, even if I'm going straight carnivore, aggressor, straight red route, I'll always get the rogues, or Mm -hmm. at least try to, like, try to get one or two. I never tend to fight them. I mean, sometimes they'll fight me just because I've been so aggressive. Everything doesn't like me, so (laughs) the moment they see me, they're like, oh, shit, (laughs) it's kill or be killed, but I always try to get the rogues. I do, too. Yeah, it's just the the added bonus of 250 health on top of their extreme strength is so rewarding. And it's just awesome because a lot of times they are like more of the unique ones and so they mm-hmm. generally have like really good designs. One creatures you want to always run away from. Well, unless you're feeling very daring. I've is killed epics. one. Yeah, I I know you killed one. I think I've killed one once, and that was when I forget what kind of creature I was, but I did basically a poison route. I yeah, maxed out my way. spit. Yeah, and I used all my tribe. I pretty much kind of lured it to my tribe or my, mm-hmm. my species or whatever, and yeah. so I could have like 10 of me attack it, and even then, it killed me multiple times. I'm pretty sure by the time I killed it, it like wiped out almost all my species yeah if it if i wasn't the the character my species would have gone easily extinct but (laughs) if you think rogues have a lot of health at like 250 
Epics have three thousand. Yeah. Or five thousand. Is it? I uh, think it's three thousand. Actually, actually, it's three thousand in tribal stage. It's actually only a thousand in oh, creature stage. It's only a thousand in. Yeah. I know it's three. Oh, maybe it's five thousand in civilization then, it because there be. are. You can still find them in civilization, yeah. which I thought was crazy. But epics are just ginormous creatures and i mean ginormous even in when you get to civilization and you can have a tower and have houses they are bigger than your houses that's how big they are they're monsters (laughs) like you think creature you're like a small person but when you evolve and like your scale gets bigger those epics still are huge yes they are they're but terrifying. it's just an, they are it, it was one thing that was kind of cool because you just didn't expect it the first time you see it and you're just like holy shit what is that and no you can't ally them they're always going to be hostile to, well i don't know if they're directly hostile i think they oh, start yeah. out neutral no nah, they are always hostile yeah they're always hostile i've yeah. had uh an event happen in the game where i was keeping an eye on one of the epics and i'm going around him because he's just massacring everything as he goes so I'm walking around, like, and where they spawn, there's a lot of bones and stuff. So you can dig up the bones for a bunch of parts so you can in- upgrade your creature. So I'm grabbing all the bones because he's wandered off far away, killing other things. And as I'm doing that, he must have gone out of his radius, and he respawns at his location where I'm digging up bones. Oh. And he just wiped me out. He wiped out my... my allies and then he wiped me out so i went i respawned with nothing just like well fuck uh that's always the worst and then like the icing on the cake is well icing as in like bad luck is if you end up running into a meteor shower there can (sighs) sometimes be meteor showers that just randomly happens and you could get hit and like get one shot pretty much yeah and that was always a pain in the ass because every animal goes like crazy when the meteor showers happen. So like if you're in the middle of trying to ally them or something or fight, well, it's good when they're fighting, but when you're trying to ally with them, they just scatter. It's like, well shit. But if you're fighting them, it's great because then they'll, they'll all scatter and then you can do one-on-one attacks. Yeah. Or if you have a pack of like three, you can do three on one, but yeah. Yeah. The last cool thing about Creature is, I would say, is it doesn't happen often, but every now and then you can see a spaceship come oh, by. Oh, yeah. Which, if you haven't, if you've never gone to space stage before, like it was your first time playing, it was kind of really cool to see. You're like, holy shit. And then, <laughs> especially if you see it, like, abduct something, that was mm-hmm. hilarious. Yeah, I actually, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but in tribal stage, those alien abductions still happen. So... Uh, it abducted one of my citizens, and there's a feature if you like double click on a citizen, or maybe it's middle mouse click, you will be taken to the the person. So it abducted my person and then flew away, but it didn't despawn my character quick enough. So I double clicked him, and it took my camera all the way up into space, and he was just chilling in the middle of outer space, and then he just vanished, <laughs> and my camera came back to land. It's really weird. Never That's had awesome. it happen again. Oh, that's awesome. That yeah. That's kind of a cool little thing. Never had it happen but, again. It must have been like a perfect timing thing. So if you manage to survive all that, maybe ally some rogues, 
you start to get a little bigger brain and you decide to throw a stick in the air because you want to for, for some, some reason, reason. <laughs> and then it hits you on your head but it, it makes your brain grow in size and you finally decide hey y'all why don't we stay together as a species and grow and you become a tribe yeah so you start some fire and you guys bunker down, you make a little tribal location, and you move on to your tribe stage. And of course, just like cell stage, your actions from your previous gameplay affects your tribal stage. So your your cell stage gives you a certain type of power-up that you're able to use during your tribe stage. But then your creature stage, whether you're making alliances or you're doing uh, just purely predator stuff, you get different attributes as you play which i don't remember all of them but some of them are really cool like you get landmines that you can throw down or you get like some fishing bonuses so it it just helps you progress a little bit in these stages but the one thing that was cool about tribal is as you're playing other tribes will appear on your map and you can choose whether you want to make alliances with those tribes or go to war with them just your classic play styles just depending on wh- what type of play style you want to do so very similar f- events going on through each stage it's just how you apply them is a little different because now you are smarter so you can build sheds and shacks and you can have equipment so you can have spears and throwing or stone axes and you can bash the other enemies in or you can create like maracas and didgeridoos and a bunch of um, musical instruments. So it just depends on how you want to take over the other tribes. And typically I like to do the all-out war aspect of it just because it was fun to attack other tribes. But sometimes <laughs> certain tribes were pretty strong. So the best option would to be to take your maracas and your drums and whatnot and go to the other tribes and swoon them. But... Sometimes uh, certain tribes weren't too keen with you, so they would attack you anyway, and they would have ambushes, and they would steal your food, raid you, and destroy some of your shacks. So it was definitely one of those things where you started to have to strategize a little bit, because with creature stage, you could just go in and attack or ally with a creature. You didn't really have to plan too much, but this one you had to start gauging your relationships with the other tribes, because there was a relationship meter where they had basically a scale of one to five of how aggressive they were with you. So if they're within the four range, you kind of have to plan that they might attack you when you're vulnerable. So if you're attacking or allying another tribe somewhere away from your base, another tribe may storm your base because you're vulnerable. So you have to start planning around how you're going to go about conquering. So this was a really cool feature and I really enjoyed this aspect of the game and then on top of that you have the lesser life forms that are going around running around like little animals that you can capture them and bring them home and you can farm them for food and eggs so that was another cool little feature because either you could kill them for food or you could farm them or you could gather fruits and veggies or fish so it's just they're adding a little bit more complexity that goes a long way so it was really cool um, stage for me 
So you could go the aggressive route, the industrious route, or the friendly route, just depending on what type of person you are. One thing I thought was pretty neat, too, is if you remember back in those creature stage, remember those uh, three rogues that are kind of roaming around? Well, if you do manage to tame them or ally them in your pack by the time you evolve into tribal, they actually stay with you and they become part of the farming that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. But not only that, they will actually defend your place too. So if mm -hmm. you get attacked, they will attack you as well. So it's kind of nice to you get a reward in creature stage because you get like this powerful person and then you also get a pretty much another alliance member at the beginning of tribal stage so if like you said want to go aggressive then while you're out and attacking you could basically have three kind of bodyguards already waiting at least enough to like delay them as if you needed to come back mm -hmm. that was a really cool feature that i liked because they the rogues are stronger like if you had the regular creatures they weren't that powerful and they could get wiped out pretty easily but the rogues held their own pretty well enough they could at least buy enough time for you to get back to base and help defend yeah so it was it was like a nice little easter egg because mm -hmm. no i don't think it ever really tells you anywhere that mm -hmm. they just stay with you it just happened to be if you had them with you and then we moved on and we're like wait a second aren't those the rogues we can't and they were with our base so it yeah. was cool yeah, one thing about this game is they don't ever prepare you for the next stage. They don't tell you what you're going to need. You just kind of have to figure it out, kind of like how you would in life. So it's really cool. Yeah, the only thing I would say about Tribal is it seems like there's a lot to do, but in retrospect, there's not too mm -hmm. much. This is another one kind of like Cell that you could honestly finish rather quickly. Yeah, for if sure. Depending, if you already know like which way you want to go, you can easily, whether you go friendly or attack. If you want to go industrious, that would take you a little longer because you kind of have to balance out of like attacking some and allying others. But if you straight up just want to either ally or attack, it's kind of easy because you start out with only one other tribe. So depending on what you do, you can either have a teammate or whatnot. And then immediately, like, three others will start. So if you immediately go over to another one and either attack or ally them, you can easily get the other ones kind of like mm -hmm. a domino effect. So that's yeah. the only issue I would have with tribal. Yeah, because you could actually, I believe, get your allies to help you fight, which was a, a nice feature to speed up the process. But yeah, so after you manage to take over all the tribes, as you're taking over, you kind of have this totem pole, this colored totem pole that grows as you take over or ally other tribes. And once you get a full totem pole, you get the brain power to start building town halls and vehicles, and you move on to your civilization stage. Ah, yes. Civilization, many have played. But not that civilization. We're talking about spore <laughs> civilization. <laughs> One of the first things you do, like I said, after creature stage, your creature is stuck. You can go and go to Outfitter, and they'll have like kind of like special things that you can add, kind of like accessories to it to make it look a little better. But the first thing you do is you have to make a land vehicle. And depending on which 
your tribe went, whether you went aggressive, industrious, or friendly, will determine if you went aggressive, you go military. If you're industrious, blue, you go economic. If you're friendly, green, religious, and red was military. But each one has very different play styles and very different ways to go, like based on how you want to build your vehicles. Because they're different. You pretty much get the same parts you can use for all your vehicles besides the attack power, which is like obviously militaries are going to have guns, rockets, lasers, stuff like that. Religious is going to have more musical instrument looking parts. And then economic is going to have a lot of like money, shiny parts to yeah, it. And I have to say, they had some pretty decent looking equipment for the vehicles, except when it came to the economic route. Economic yeah. was so cheesy looking when you would create a vehicle. Like it was really hard to make them look good because they were so cheesy. Because the worst part was is that the economic you can't even change the color of the parts like yeah. the that give you your economic power because like it would be this giant like was it golden or yeah like gold bars or sometimes once some would be yeah. diamonds it was yeah and it was like I get it it's supposed to be like flashy like bling but like. It, just, it would always make your vehicle look very tacky, mm -hmm. which sucks because, honestly, it's a, it's a real fun to do economic and civilization. Honestly, I, I think it's the most fun path to go. Not the e Military, I think, is the easiest, then mm -hmm. economic, then religious. But I think economic is kind of fun to go because you just buy out everyone. Yeah. Like, that's how, that's how you get over this. You're like, here's money. <laughs> Do you want to go over and like, no, how about more money? Mm -hmm. And they're like, you all know right. what? Maybe we'll listen to you. And they're like, all right, just a little bit more. And they're like, yes, later. <laughs> it's just, just kind of a funny concept. One good thing about economic is people didn't really hate you because you'd give them money and your status with them would immediately be happier. And you never actually had to attack people. So it wasn't really something that it was really easy to get by without making too many enemies. Yeah, generally you'd only have like one or two enemies, and it would be towards the end once your empire has grown mm -hmm. too big, and they're kind of like, "Oh, you're a threat to our empire." Or if you're like the last two, then obviously they're going to be like, "Oh, you're the only one left. We must attack you because we can't live in peace. One must reign supreme." <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I did like about this was you got to design a house, an entertainment building, and a factory. This was probably the next most customization you have since Creature Stage because you made three different buildings and then you make three different vehicles, a land vehicle, a sea vehicle, and an air vehicle. But you had stipulations on it. If you were a landlocked city, you could only make land vehicles. However, if you captured a city or you started out as a city with a port, then you can make a sea vehicle. And then after you conquered at least four cities, that's when you would become, you would be able to have an air, which they kind of made it that way, I'm assuming, is because almost, I don't think it changes, but every time you play Civilization, there's like a mini island, then it's surrounded by water, and then other settlements outside. In the island you start on, there's always four cities. And then there's 
three or four more you can capture if you either have a sea vehicle or an air vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I think they kind of, they more are like, oh, capture all the cities inland and then move out with your planes to get, or your sea vehicles and get out. But you technically could use your sea vehicles, start capturing them first, and then use like land vehicles to capture that and for some reason wait to use your inland ones last <laughs> for whatever reason, I guess. Yeah, you they- could go that way <laughs> if you just want to, be against the guy. Yeah, like, basically, I'm whenever, different. whenever I got air vehicles, and and sea vehicles, I basically abandoned all of my land vehicles and just demolished them and just took over everything. Because sea and air vehicles were just so much superior when it came to speed and getting to where they needed to go. Speed, yes, but sometimes air vehicles, like if you want it to be strong, it will have no health. So That's it was kind of like yeah. a glass cannon. So that air was kind of like a toss up. C was a pretty good mixture, like kind of like the balance, probably one of the better ones. But like I said, it constraint was you can only attack port cities, and there was generally only like two to three port cities. And then once you got there, you'd kind of use your land vehicles to get land and air to kind of, like, get Mm -hmm. the other ones that weren't accessible by the port. Right. Yeah, there were a few decent strategies that you could have taken. It just kind of depends on, again, play style. But basically, when I got air vehicles, you could just overwhelm a city so easily. Oh, yeah. Because they moved, too, so it was really easy to distribute the attack because when you had a bunch of land vehicles, the turrets would kind of focus... And take them out one by one, whereas with the air vehicles, they kept moving. So the turrets would keep changing targets, so you would never just fully get picked off. Depending on which way you went, military, religious, right, right, it would yeah. depend on how you attack. Because my latest playthrough, I did, I end up going religious because of the archetype I wanted to go. And God bless America, religious was so hard to do. <laughs> The thing was, it was like every time I started, there was four different empires in the mainland. And like as soon as I started, when I only had one vehicle, this other religious, it was a religious town, whatever, civilization, had like already four or five vehicles and took over a city and then (laughs) took over another city. I'm like, are you sure you're religious? They just taking them over. Yeah, like. Are you on some kind of crusade? Because, holy shit, they would capture literally the other two cities by the time I made four vehicles. <laughs> and they would immediately come and attack me. And I'm like, alright. So when I first started, I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm not going to build houses. I'm going to immediately enter, like, get as many vehicles as I can. I was like, the one military island or whatever, civilization, I don't know why I said island, civilization was already friendly with me, like, not neutral, friendly. So I was like, okay, maybe if we both attacked when his force comes up, we can survive. I tried that, wiped us all out. I'm like, you are religious. How are you <laughs> defeating military vehicles and more religious vehicles? I'm like, I'm so confused. So the, the only way I was able to win was I gave them money so they wouldn't attack me at the end. And then <laughs> the people that were attacking outside the island... 
I paid them money to attack them, and then I attacked them while they were attacking them, so they had to fight, like, three-front war, and I finally defeated them. And I was just like, <laughs> why is another religious civilization so hard to defeat? Sometimes they just go on those crusades, and they can just take them out. I, it, it just amazed me, at, like, how strong this religious was. But, yeah, because... And maybe it's because they had so many... They they only had, like, three or four Spice Geysers, and I had three. Spice Geysers, by the way, I kind of blew past that, is another... Like, you capture it, and it kind of gives you passive income be, uh, besides your little civilization that you have. But, yeah, they only had, like, two Spice Geysers more than me, and they were able to freaking demolish so quickly. <laughs> yeah, sometimes but, sometimes they can just take them out. It's just weird. Like you'll have some games where you just breeze through it and then other ones where the game, the AI just takes such an aggressive approach and it's hard to handle. Yeah, it's crazy, especially if you're freaking religious where your mm-hmm. your power's not really there. It's more about like capturing cities more than like fighting planes and stuff. Yeah, cuz the defense turrets for your home base when you're religious suck. Oh yeah. 100%. But if you manage to either buy out everyone because you were economic, convert everyone to your religion because you went on a freaking crusade, <laughs> or you decide to blow everything up with your military might, once you have conquered every empire that has left is left in that world, you finally decide the sky's the limit and you must go further. Further than any creature has gone before, and you go into space. Yes, so you go to conquer the final frontier. So you take off, and you basically get given orders by your home planet to kind of walk you through the tutorial. And as Bobby mentioned, the civilization stage, you have spice geysers to bring in income. So that's still a thing in Space Stage. You basically conquer planets and you build around Spice Geysers so you can bring in more income. But outside of that, you can find new allies. So you will go to other planets and just like every other stage, there are more creatures that are in Space Stage with you. So as you're going, you create alliances or you create enemies and you wage war. Or you don't, depending on what you want to do. But you basically go and you conquer the galaxy by taking over other planets and just taking over what they have. Or you go to empty planets and you build up your own little civilization there. So the war approach is always the approach I take because it's so much quicker to take over somebody else's civilization than it is to build up your own and spend the money to recreate it. So war seems to be the quickest option, so that's the one I typically do. Or you can take an economic approach where you can buy out people's planets, but that costs a lot of money, so you need to be well-established for that. Or you could just take the alliance approach and just have a really large empire and a lot of allies with your empire. So it just kind of depends on what you want to do. But you can also go and you terraform planets and bring them into the habitable zone and build up cities. And then you can also go and explore the the galaxy and find collectibles that you can sell or just keep for yourself. Then you also have 
certain enemies that you'll find as you're approaching the center of the galaxy that will never be your ally. And this is the Groks, and they have thousands upon thousands of planets protecting the center of the galaxy. And they will attack you on sight. You can become their ally. It's just extremely difficult. But it's not really worth it because they bring you almost nothing in return. So you can... You get a trophy for allying with them, but then you also get a trophy for destroying their entire empire, which I have never done because there's literally thousands of planets. So it's not not a fun time. But you explore the galaxy and you go to the center of the universe and you discover the laws of the universe. And basically, it's pretty anticlimactic because you go to the center of the universe. It takes you probably a couple hours of gameplay at least because it's so hard to get there. And once you do, they kind of just give you this item that lets you terraform planets really easy. So it's kind of lackluster and not really that great. But overall, I thought Space Stage was a really fun stage because of the complex relationships you can have with other creatures. But it kind of did lack a little bit of something. But I thought it was fun. But if they ever redid remastered Spore, I would hope they would add a little bit more to it. One thing I thought was funny is on my recent playthrough of Spore when I just got to Space Stage, uh, as I mentioned, I found Keegan my one of my creations in space stage so i instantly allied them they were technically i think i said they were one of my first they were the second person i saw because in like the tutorial or like as soon as you get to space they kind of tell you to go to this specific planet mm -hmm. and you see another life form uh so besides the forced encounter they were the first ones i encountered and so I first started, I wanted to, I make alliances at the beginning because mm -hmm. I will try to get that income coming. So I want to try to get a trade route so I can try to get a good trade, especially if I know they have different spice. I got lucky because you always, at least I start out with red spice. I think you always do. I'm not a hundred percent sure. There's a percentage thing. So you typically like, there's like a 90 something percent chance of starting out with red, but you can start out with yellow and green i believe but it's just gotcha. not likely but one of the cool things about my alliance with keegan is they play a lot of money for red spice because all their planets have yellow so i could sell one red spice for like four thousand credits or whatever the currency is so i was like not only do I get to ally one of my own creatures, I can sell red spice to them at a high price. I was like, oh boy, do we have a good <laughs> alliance. But what was funny was Keegan started attacking the other people that I made an alliance with. So I'm just kind of stuck here because they're asking for help. And I'm just like, I can't attack them mm -hmm. because I'm in alliance with Keegan. And I'm like, I'd rather have the alliance with Keegan than you guys because... You guys have red spice. You guys don't offer me anything like good. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, you're on your own there, buddy. And then I just watched them lose a planet and Keegan's <laughs> empire just expanded. And I'm just like, hey, it's a win-win for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when but, that, I always start uh, alliances in the beginning as well. And I typically, so I made, when I first started, I made the mistake of letting my alliances stay too long. And they grow very large and then it's like man i really wish i had those planets so then i would attack them and take them over but then they're a huge alliance or a huge empire 
So it's like this constant battle until you can kill them all. So I typically like to keep my alliances pretty small. So I'll wrap their planets with my planets. Like build an empire around them. So I kind of force them to stay in their little bubble. And then eventually when I get self-reliant, I will just wipe them all out and take them out. Or, oh, damn. Yeah, or I'll have such a large empire that I will uh, rise up creatures because you have the ability to create, bring creatures from space stage or creature stage into space stage. And they have a really strong relationship with you because of that. So I'll raise them up and they'll have one little planet. And I'll surround them with mine and just let them only have one planet so I can use them to buy equipment or sell equipment at cheaper costs. So it's a pretty sad existence for them, but it's my play strategy. I didn't know that if you, like, build around them, they would, like, stop expanding now. You kind of have to have a pretty decent buffer because they have a certain distance that they'll travel out to conquer planets. But if you are with – if you have wide enough buffer – then they can't expand. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have to, I, I probably have to try that because in one of my stages, one of the people that I'm just kind of neutral with are starting to butt into my little star system, and I'm just like, <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh, yeah. I noticed you have five planets to my three, and you're starting <laughs> to get into my area. Yeah. It does cost mm. a little bit of money because you have to take over a lot of planets. And it's really difficult with creatures that you have from the beginning because they'll naturally expand. So you kind of have to rise up your own creatures and then wrap them up. Or wrap them up and then rise them up. So, yeah, it's a weird strategy, but it's doable. But one thing that is beneficial to alliances is archetypes. So when you, as we've mentioned, each playthrough you get bonuses. So from creature stage, or from cell, creature, tribal, and civilization, depending on how you played, you have these attributes. And these attributes play into what type of archetype you have in space stage. And these archetypes, there's a few different types. There is the bard, diplomat, ecologist, knight, scientist, the shaman, trader, wanderer, warrior, and the zealot. And each of these have very distinct abilities. Like the scientist is the one I like the most. It gives you something called the gravitational wave that you can use every like 10 minutes. And I was a war creature. So I, you go to a planet, you use the gravitational wave, and it demolishes everything on that planet. Which is great if you want to just remove an empire from the face of the earth. And it's just such a fun thing to do and then alliances will allow you to change your archetype so if you had a specific playthrough but you don't like the archetype that you were given you have to go through a large amount of missions and they're they're not short missions either they're pretty lengthy but doing this will allow you to change your archetype and allow you to have a different space playthrough so it's pretty cool i've only done it a few times so what is your play or your archetype that you typically try to get, Bobby? I still I don't know if I really have a favorite because I haven't played a whole lot of them. The one I'm currently trying out right now is the ecologist that receives the mm. safari vacuum ability. That one's which, cool. Yeah, which 
Pollen activation instantly abducts two members of each species from the planet. And so I wanted to go this way because I kind of set my thing for I wanted to be more terraforming, getting more planets. So this is an easy way to do it because I could go to one that has like a lot of people in it or like even my own planet use Safari Vacuum and easily help terraform the planet because I'll easily have like everything in requirement, the small, medium, large mm -hmm. plants, herbivores, carnivores, all that stuff. I also like the the zealot. The it's a philosophy of faith one where that's the one I wanted to try. Yeah, it's a fanatical frenzy is what it is the ability you receive, and upon use, it converts the souls the entire system to your empire. So this breaches galactic code, which only is an issue if you want allies. But basically, yeah, you just take over someone's existence. And it's really cool because you just gained a planet from it. So I do like that one a lot, too. But again, I'm a very aggressive player when it comes to Space Stage. Yeah, and it's cool because, like, each one you have to have, like, different cards, which is, like, after you beat Cell Stage where you are a carnivore, herbivore, omnivore, Based on that, you get like a red, a blue, or green card. So depending on what cards you get will depend on which one. Obviously, when I first started, I think I was, what was it, Warrior? Is that like all all red cards yeah. or something? Yeah, which I'm not a real big fan of the Warrior one. This There's certain ones that have very little use when it comes to actual gameplay. I wasn't a yeah. fan of the Warrior. It's like when you first play through, you don't really care about your archetype. But if you actually, like your second or third playthrough, when you actually want to like probably delve into more of what space has to offer that's when you kind of look up with what one you want and then you have to kind of do the possibilities of which space state or what do you want to go between each stage because like i said there are bonuses for completing each stage cell mm -hmm. creature tribe civilization that will help you with each passing stage so cell immediately helps you in stage by giving you ability but then later down the line, it also gave you ability for space stage and so on and so forth. So that's why you have to kind of, if you're trying to play a specific way, like if you're playing for space stage, find out what archetype you want, then go for it. And then you'll figure out like which way you want to. Or ally with some people and uh, change your archetype. Yeah, that too. I say your first time through, just have fun, do mm -hmm. whatever one you go. Uh, just know if you go completely aggressive, you will get the warrior, which it's not bad if you're going to be straight up, just continue that throughout space stage, just straight up go like whatever, because mm -hmm. you get the raider rally ability, which opens a pirate portal on the planet, so you can basically weaken them and attack to make it easier but i feel like if you want to go like attack i i feel like the knight would be better because mm -hmm. you get the Agreed. summon mini u ability so you get a miniature clone of your spaceship that will help you so i think if you really want to go attack do that but yeah zealot is one that i haven't tried that i would really want to yeah that one's a cool one but, uh, yeah, so I think we're running out of time on this one, going a little bit over. So 
let's talk about the removed stages. We can't really talk about our th thoughts on them, but there were some removed stages while they were developing the game, which these ones, there was originally going to be, I believe, eight stages, and they included stages called the molecular stage, the aquatic stage, city stage, and the terraforming stage. But these ones were all scrapped. But most of these seemed like they were intermediate stages between the others. So molecular was probably right before cell. Aquatic was between cell and creature. City was between tribal and civilization. And terraforming was most likely between civilization and space. So it was probably for the best that they were scrapped. They probably wouldn't have added a whole lot to the game. But uh, yeah, ultimately they just didn't see that it was worth adding. Overall, if I to give my final thoughts on this before we wrap yeah. everything up. Overall, if you haven't played it, definitely recommend it. it. Especially if you can buy it on sale for Steam. I think I bought it on Steam when it was on sale for like 5 bucks, something like that. It's definitely not worth a full game. But if you haven't played through it, it's good to play through a few times. It's kind of fun to do creature creation creation if you're more into like that like going after you get all the parts space is really fun if you're like that civilization kind of look as in the game of like having alliances kind of resource management sort of that thing it has a little bit of each a bit into it but i definitely think if they ever make a remastered version of it i would I think it would be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I highly doubt they will. There's been no talk of this game in like 10 years. Yeah. But <sighs> it, it definitely had its problems, but I feel like if you haven't played it, definitely give it a shot. Especially, like I said, going through one time, getting into space, and then maybe trying out each different archetype so you have to play differently throughout each of the stages. I think it would, it still would give you a good amount of playtime mm -hmm. in it, but I've Feel like there would it's definitely a finite time unlike yeah. before when they had like those competitions and everything i completely agree it was yeah it's definitely worth playing it is a little shallow when looking back at it but i think there's a lot of enjoyment to be had in the game regardless of how long you play it because space stage is an infinite stage and it can get boring rather quick but just getting up to that point i think is worth playing through but to sign us off, we have some facts for you. And the first one is, Spore used a modified version of the controversial digital rights management software, SecureROM. And this digital rights management was one of the major reasons why Spore is still one of the most pirated games to date. Where within the first week of the game's release, over half a million people started downloading or downloaded it illegally from sites like Pirate Bay. So that is not good numbers to have on your release. And if you're wondering, just a quick thing of why so many people started doing that, is back then when physical copies were a thing, so in order for people couldn't just copy their disc and like give it to their friends to use there was a lot of times people would put like these copy protections on it so you couldn't do it but the thing is with this you could only you could use it on three different computers but if you know anything about computers they need updated software and every time you updated it it counted it as a different computer so if you updated it three times 
you were screwed if you had updated it another time. So that's why people got so mad about it and started pirating it. Yeah, so there was a lot of controversy behind this, as we've mentioned before. So that wasn't a, a good look on Maxis and EA's record. This game also had five spin-off games. There were Sport Creatures, Spore Arena, both of these were for the Nintendo DS. There was Spore Hero for the Wii. There was Spore Origins for the mobile. And there was Dark Spore, which was very different from all the others. And I really enjoyed Dark Spore. But yeah, definitely different and not like Spore at all. And then we also had a little Easter egg in Space Stage where... If you looked really hard, which it was very difficult to find, I actually found a YouTube video to help me back in the day, you could find the Soul System, which has our solar system in it when you can find Earth. You'll find all eight planets. I don't think they included Pluto. So you can find all eight of our planets. And once you find them, this gives the player an achievement called Manifest Destiny. And then if you actually use the ability to destroy Earth, you get an achievement called Oh the Humanity. So it's a cool little Easter egg to find. Honestly, I actually didn't know they had Earth in yeah, this war. I found it and colonized like all the um, planets that I was able to colonize. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think... <laughs> I think that's almost like a sub or like another goal you can make in sports age. Screw getting in the center of the universe. Yeah. I want to find Earth. Yeah, you just have to find it on the correct branch of the galaxy. That makes sense. Why it's a Milky Way galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's all we have for facts. So if you ever do play this game, try to look for Earth. But that's, Let us know oh. what... Oh, I almost oh yeah, question of the day. Of the day. What obviously you you'd have to play this, but what is your favorite stage of the game? I would have to say creature and then probably civilization, space, tribal, cell. Yeah, mine I think would go space, tribal, creature, civilization, cell. Cell being the worst. I just enjoyed space a lot, even though it was very repetitive. I don't know. I just enjoyed it a lot. But that'll be it from us today, so feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for updates on our episodes. And this is going to be our second-to-last episode for the season. Uh, Next week's episode is going to be the last, and then we're going to take a little bit of a break to prepare for Season 3. So make sure you... Season 2 finale! Yes, so make sure you guys catch up on all your episodes and maybe even share your favorites and let us know what you think. You can email us at weebspawn at gmail.com. And, yeah, give us some recommendations for what you might want to hear in Season 3. But that'll be all from us today. I've been your host, Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we'll see you guys next time when we weeb spawn.